You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Treader and Lindsay Adams-Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm, American Girl Dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become American Girl Women. Today on American Girl Women, we are joined by Paige Peroni and Natalie Michaud, co-hosts of The Murder Diaries, a victim-focused true crime podcast that puts the spotlight on cold cases, missing persons, and suspicious deaths. Outside of their podcasts together, Natalie is a writer and Paige is an educator, and we are just so thrilled to have them join us today and hear all about their journeys with American Girl. Paige and Natalie, welcome to AGW. I'm so excited to be here. I've been listening myself for a while, so it's so awesome to be here. We're thrilled to be here. Thank you for having us. We are so excited to have both of you. We're big fans of yours, and I think it's really special for Lindsay and I to also be able to have fellow podcasters on the podcast. It's a rare a rare guest for us as a fellow podcaster, so I think we're just really excited to get to chat with you guys today about something a little bit different from your normal topics, right? Absolutely. We're a true crime podcast, and... In our episode with Lindsay and Laura, we actually tell them a case. So when you're done with this episode, go over to the Murder Diaries podcast and listen to our episode with Lindsay and Laura. Um, But yeah, typically we are true crime, but we are girls that grew up in the American girl world. So we're excited to talk about it. And just jumping in um, for a little more clarification on our podcast, it's called The Murder Diaries, and we cover unsolved missing persons or suspicious deaths. So it's a very um, ethical approach to true crime, and we often work with families, including original audio from interviews we've done with them. So it's very uh, structured and respectful. It is very respectful. We really appreciated that about the way you handle cases on your podcast and not sensationalizing them and really respecting the families. And it was an honor to be a part of your podcast and bringing awareness to the case that we were joining on for. And before we get into AG, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about how you both got started podcasting together and maybe like your history together? Our story is... It's so modern and kind of funny. Yeah, it's given a that great we, origin story. <laughs> given that we do have a true crime podcast, we did meet through Bumble BFF. So oh, we were both in the same that. area when we swiped right on each other after we and our husbands met and we just realized how well we got along. We kind of realized that we both had a passion for exposing and bringing awareness to violence against women missing persons cases, unsolved cases, and the, the Murder Diaries was born. One of the first times we met, we closed down a Mexican food restaurant. We were the last people there. We talked the entire time. When you have that rapport with someone and um, that connection, it's one of those things you want to maintain. And we both had a shared um, interest in true crime. And we obviously could talk a lot with each other. So we felt like, well, this was the natural progression for our relationship. Um, (laughs) We had listened to a lot of true crime podcasts at the time. And I remember telling her, I really think that we could make something worth listening to. And I have a background in TV film and my master's is in writing. So this is all like adjacent territory. And so I felt comfortable diving in and Paige has been, you know, they're right alongside me. And as we've discovered and um, carved our own path in the true crime world. It, it's been incredible. Six oh, months phenomenal. after meeting, we started the podcast. It was, well, I was gonna, six months. That's when it started. But like, yeah, to really highlight the the speed with which we like excelled our relationship has been, I think on our fourth meeting. So I think um, it was in March, we went to a, a coffee house and we literally had a meeting. I, I still have the Google notes and it said like, if we are going to be doing this, this is um, going to be treated as a second job. And we literally detailed our motivations and our like expectations of one another. Wow. Very which yeah. is like a little funny to think about. But yeah, it's it's a very sweet relic to look at every time I like come across it on our drive. Such a wonderful meeting story. And I love how you 
you know, obviously are, are great friends, but you've treated the enterprise, like took it very seriously. It is a business and you treated it like that from the beginning. Um, that's such a sweet story of, of how you guys met. I love having that backstory on you guys. So cute. What would you two say is like the most rewarding part of having a podcast? I would say for our podcast specifically, it's working with the families and knowing that we are bringing awareness to the fact that there are so many cases, missing cases, cold cases, unsolved cases that are out there. I mean, there are over 280,000 unsolved murder cases. And on top of that, missing person cases. So many of these cases do showcase the horrific nature of the current status of violence against women and how prevalent it is. So I feel for myself that it's like the least we could do as fellow women to give a voice back to the voiceless and or amplify the voices of the loved ones that are fighting to find these people to to find their loved ones to solve their loved ones cases it's really incredible that you are as you said giving the voice back to the voiceless and making sure that they were not forgotten as people and doing so in such a respectful way too, I think is just really incredible. The work that you're doing on your podcast. Really point of differentiation, I think, between like some of the other, you know, podcasts or like media that's related to true crime out there is, you know, taking this approach and really committing to taking this approach when, you know, a lot of other podcasts or even like shows sort of like sensationalize these things. It's like keeping the Mm -hmm. focus centered on the victims and their stories, I think is, is so important. So, you know, really appreciate that you guys have set forth with that goal and just kept it, you know, a consistent part of your podcast this whole time. It was definitely a journey to get there. And I think that it's something that has, while it's been a consistent part, it's definitely something that is, something we've we've grown with and grown through as we work with these cases to understand where the ethics are within true crime mm-hmm. that we should be operating within. It's a huge journey. Right. And I feel like that's the perfect way to explain it because ethics in true crime isn't really something that's defined. Like there's no clear definition of what ethics is across the board. For everyone, it's a little bit different, whether it's a survivor um, in their mind, their version of ethics, whether it's a family um, of a murdered victim or a missing person. So there's really this general idea of what it is. There's just no clear cut definition of what true crime ethics is. So it's kind of like the Wild West. We're figuring out as we go and we're with the intention of being as respectful and honest as possible. As inclusive as possible, I I would add. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think you both err on like the side of caution to make sure that you are being respectful to the victims and their families and loved ones and friends and family that, you know, have been affected. And it's true. Like there, it's such a gray area of ethics. And we see a lot of podcasts that aren't, you know, treating things with some cases with as much respect as they should be allotted and almost venture into like a humorous type of tone, which just feels very wrong. So we really appreciate the tone that you take and the respect and research that goes into each episode. Thank you. And sometimes it, there are things out there as obvious as like, Ooh, that, that tone didn't feel right or Mm -hmm. ethical. And it can even be a little bit deeper and things that we've had to come to understand of like, just because a survivor, for example, is on TikTok or out there in the media telling their story for their own awareness and healing and what they want to get out of it. It doesn't mean that you get to tell their story for them. Mm -hmm. And that might seem obvious when you hear it come out, but it, it's something you see is survivor stories being shared by someone who is not them. And again, you would think maybe as the creator of that TikTok video talking about this story of a survivor, you would think, well, again, you know, yeah, they're they're out there. They have a TikTok. They have this. They have that. And they're they're doing it. But that's a pretty big one that doesn't always scream out to people that we see all the time and that we did learn, too. We're not perfect. Yeah. But um, there are ways to right your wrongs in those respects as well. 
with anything, but especially with this type of material, I'm sure it's like a constant study and learning about, you know, learning and evolving. Um, but yeah, I think that especially with TikTok being around, like there's such like a proliferation of content creators creating on the topic of crime. And it's like, can feel really like, I think, inundated with the type of content that Lindsay was referring to where it's like taking almost like a lighthearted or or humorous approach so it's just it's nice that I think that there are there does seem to be at least like with podcasts kind of like a trend to move away from that a bit I think like three to five years ago or even 10 years ago there was just not a lot of parameters or ethics that we were even mm-hmm. thinking about behind it not to pinpoint any podcasts or name names and now I think as a culture, we're starting to like move more towards realizing that, okay, we have to remember that, you know, we're not just talking abstractly here. We're talking about real things that happened and mm-hmm. we we have to handle those topics with care. So just really appreciate the example that you guys are setting. You bring up a great point in talking about five, 10 years ago in true crime podcasting or just other types of social media, because nowadays many people are able to download that app or borrow a microphone, go to a library, go to a school and use a podcasting lab, if you will, and push record. And with that, the more people, the more chances there are for mistakes, as opposed to when we were all growing up with the Rescue 911, America's Most Wanted, those are big production teams. And I'm not saying that ethics comes from those, but I'm just saying there is more money and more pull to get the families to work with you to- And more- checks and balances in place that's a really really good point like content is now for everyone to create and it's just great to see that your approach to it is just so respectful so we hope everyone checks out your podcast if that is um, of interest to them because it is really phenomenally done but with that would love to dive into the topic at hand today being American Girl but before we get into that would love to hear what you both were like growing up so Paige do you want to kick us off here this is so fun to answer thank you for asking when I was growing up I was a super modern kind of girl I wanted to be the first woman president I thought that that could happen until my older sister made sure I knew that that was just, that was not going to happen, that that's just a really hard dream to reach. And (laughs) obviously in her only, like her older sister way, like, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek, but a little bit kind of protecting me like, hey, you know, like that's a, that's, that's a pipe dream girl. Um, But it was, I wanted, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be the first woman president. I wanted to either get into education or go to law school. I knew psychology was going to be my major by, by sixth grade. I knew that I actually have it in my sixth grade yearbook next to me because that's when we graduated elementary school and we got to put a blurb in this yearbook. And so in my blurb, I said that that's what I wanted to do. So, um, I put that, you know, major in psychology, probably put something about law school and first woman president. That part didn't work out, but psychology is my major. Wow. (laughs) And then I did go, I did end up getting into education. So my master's is in counseling. So I work with students in educational and personal social counseling. That is incredible. The fact that you knew what your interests were for career in sixth grade is just so beyond impressive. Totally, because I didn't know, that's for sure. (laughs) Definitely not. I was still on, like, the singer-dancer model trajectory. (laughs) There's only three careers for women in my mind at that age, singer-dancer and model. (laughs) It's so Paige. Like, literally, you know, when she puts her mind to something, it's going to happen. And that's what I love about her. But I love that that was even her back in sixth grade when you're, like, 12 years old. (laughs) <laughs> Not much I just love that. seriously exactly and oh my gosh <laughs> Natalie what about yourself what were you like growing up growing up I was a big reader so um I was constantly working my way through book after book after book um when my parents would gift me things it would usually be a book that I had wanted and then there are four kids in my family so 
if my siblings and my mom would be like cleaning on a Saturday, it'd be like a family, like, all right, let's pick up, let's tidy up. And the question would always um, come up, where's Natalie? And they'd find me in a closet. They'd find me under the desk reading a book. And when your kid's reading a book and, you know, not playing video games or, um, you know, doing it to be naughty, you kind of let them get away with it. And so that's kind of a little um, joke amongst my siblings and my parents. It's, oh, Natalie always got out of cleaning because she was reading. Um, (laughs) And so I was definitely a little bookworm and I, I never had a sense of what I wanted to do, except that I know I enjoyed being creative and I enjoyed storytelling, but I never really saw that as like, um, a, the career trajectory that I would choose. Like I can even think of like going on vacations with my like family and our cousins. And if we went to like hotel that had a lazy, lazy river, you know, those pools that just, um, yeah. along for like a mile, I would, uh, you know, tell stories about the people that were floating alongside us. All right. You know, like, um, as if we were on safaris, I don't know. I was just always making up stories and creating characters out of the people I saw. And then eventually, um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do as I neared college. I got it. I have a degree in English. And while, while I was at UCLA, I remember telling my parents, cause I had I was about to graduate early and I said, I don't want to graduate early. All my friends are still here. I just had finished my classes so much or so much faster because um, I was a little nerd. And I was like, please <laughs> let me stay for another quarter. And I was still going to be leaving earlier after leaving a quarter early. And I ended up taking a bunch of film classes. And even though I had been in theater all throughout high school, it was never like specifically, a fo- there was never a specific focus on film. And I realized I'm like, oh, I love this. I love watching film. I love how it, it's put together from um, the script to the screen. And so that's what I ended up getting my master's in, um, in writing. And then, um, you know, I worked on a soap opera for a few years. I've done a lot of like minor production work. And now I am focusing my efforts on our podcast, but I also am an adjunct professor for film, TV, media as well. Wow. I want to take her class so badly. (gasps) I really want to take it. It's our syllabus is amazing. It's I a, it's a take fun it. <laughs> Seriously. Yes. That's we, so interesting. Before we started recording, we were talking about your book club and how you guys ended up evolving it to starting to watch films. And that's kind of what uh, the class is like. You know, we're exploring ethnicity and identity through film, American film, the lens of it. And um, it's like a film club because, you know, we'll go over our lecture and then it's like, all right, let's watch this film and explore how they represented certain people and, you know, how that was done in film form, whether it's sound design, um, cinematography, all of that. It's so interesting. Wow. That sounds so interesting. I, my degree is in communications and I took a ton of classes in film and TV specifically. And that was my favorite part of like taking those courses was basically being like the whole class is going to watch a movie uh, and then we're going to discuss it. And like, it's that's putting it very simply and it's a lot more than that but it's like it's just such a a nice like way to be able to engage with other people about you know everybody's perception of media is so varied so it's really it's really interesting and i'm i'm jealous of your students honestly (laughs) (laughs) this is this is actually another way that natalie and i connect as well Um, We both work at the community college level. So I have, not only do I counsel students at the community college level, but I also have taught counseling classes when I have decided I want to do that this semester and it's been available to me. So it's just another way where Natalie and I take our backgrounds that are (laughs) different and then do kind of the same thing, (laughs) which is pretty mind blowing. It's been nice. Like um, she has so much more years on the community college circuit as an instructor and um, just going through the red tape of it all. Cause it is very um, like, there are a lot of rules in place on how you do things and how you approach things. And so she's been a wonderful guide in uh, through all of the, those texts that I sent her or late night calls like, Hey, um, what do you think about this? Just because she, she's um, traversed the landscape more than I have. So it's been very helpful. I will say she's always on the right track. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I I 
love that you guys have that to share among the many other things that you both have in common. It's it's honestly so incredible that you guys were able to find each other through a friend dating app and right? having so much in common. You guys are making me want to use Bumble BFF, honestly. You should. Guys, <laughs> we actually discovered too, we didn't share this in the beginning. We actually grew up for several years just up the street from each other when we had no idea. Yeah, wow. we had no idea. Similar and age we, range and everything. Similar age range. Yeah. We had mutual friends in high school. She was actually friends with my high school boyfriend who went to her high school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Whoa. And it's just, it's that um, invisible string theory at play. Yes. You know, we right. were always- Love that Taylor Swift be, reference. She's wearing her T-Swift shirt. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it tells me like the universe was- conspiring to put us together it just was waiting for the right time and wow um, yeah so it led us together and um here we are wow that's incredible oh well getting into another thing that you guys have in common with each other and us as well our invisible string if you will american girl <laughs> when was the first time that you both remember becoming aware of american girl or maybe your first time ever experiencing american girl receiving american girl do you remember your early memories of it I do remember my first memories. A lot of them are surrounding Christmas, receiving Samantha, receiving one of the, I used to call them the pick dolls the, the girls of today that you would pick like what you wanted them to look like. Maybe you'd make them right. like yourself or something you wanted to look like. I picked one that I wanted to look like. I named her Amanda, but again, we also had Samantha. So a lot of it is also surrounding Christmas. I will say, I don't remember not knowing American Girl. I oh, am, interesting. I am similar age to the brand, of course. So I think that that does make sense, kind of growing up in that world. Um, so yeah, I don't remember not knowing of the brand. I loved pouring through the catalog and not even just to pick stuff for my dolls that I wanted for things like birthdays or Christmases, but just living in that world of the catalog was enough because I will say yes I grew up again with Samantha and one of the pick dolls and we had the beds I had the big purple locker I thought I had made it when I got that purple locker for Christmas I thought oh, I had yes made it. man <laughs> I was putting those little hangers up I was hanging my clothes up <laughs> putting my shoes I mean I thought I had made it and we also had those yellow bunk beds that were the white and black pinstripe mattresses. Yep. Loved having all of that. I had the paper dolls. I had every one of the mini dolls of the original girls. I think the, for the mini dolls, they went from Josefina on up through Felicity. I'm pretty sure. I think there was about like maybe about six of those. So I had all the mini dolls and then Samantha... And my little pick a doll, which I decided I wanted her, me being the modern girl, that was, I'm doing air quotes here, my doll. And Samantha belonged to my sister that's two years older. But we obviously both played with all of them. But I made my pick a doll with red hair. And I'm pretty sure I went with green or gray eyes. She has since Cute. moved on to another home. Unfortunately, I don't have either of those dolls in my possession or my parents possession any longer we have moved them along but I do sort of wish that we kind of had them but those are some of my earliest memories playing with my cousins with a doll playing with my sister I talked to my sister before recording and she did agree I played with the dolls more than her she felt okay. very much as an American girl woman herself and that she grew up with the brand but she did say that I it was more of my thing for sure but a lot of times we would play in the same room and kind of be playing together but with different toys so it's kind of hard to describe but if that makes sense that's kind of why American girl was more of like what I would play with yeah you guys were kind of having like your your parallel separate experiences but still hanging out together that's it a lot of times we called it fun house 
we try different things, same Ooh. room, but kind of be involved and know like what the other one was up to. Wait, <laughs> I love this. She made that up. So I, she made that up when we were really young um, as like a fun game. Like, let's play fun house so that neither of us were playing alone. But like, she didn't want to play with me. Such an older sister. Older. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And two years as Natalie can speak to because she's about two years older than her sister. Sometimes when you're younger, that's a bit of an age gap when you're younger. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, totally. And <laughs> Natalie, your sister does factor into your yes. American Girl memories as well. I was going to say that Paige's story actually is the perfect segue because her interactions with her sister growing up and their, you know, a relationship to the American Girl dolls is very similar to that of me and my sisters. We're two years apart, but except I'm the older sister in this relationship. Um, mm -hmm. so I kind of take, I kind of took on the role similar to what Paige's sister did. We were both very aware of, uh, American Girl doll. I had the books. I definitely, uh, favored Samantha. I just thought she had great bangs and like, I loved her clothes. So I had, a had the books. I even had the book, um, that teaches you about your body. I definitely still yes. have that. Karen keeping a um, view. I have, yes. My mom bought it and she didn't tell us about it or anything. It just appeared in our room because my sister and I shared a room. And that was also like a major factor of our girlhood because, you know, when you're in, you're sharing a space, whether you're explicitly into the dolls or not, they're there with you. Um, so yeah, we got that book. We had the paper dolls. Um, and then when it came time to get an actual doll, I believe I was I had already moved past getting dolls of my own. I was um, obviously a big reader, but my sister still played. And so she had an opportunity to choose from, um, choose between an American Girl doll and my twin. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. And because I think they're both around the same price. And my parents were like, you have to pick one. My sister to this day says she chose the wrong one when she chose my twin um, because it ended up scaring her. <laughs> um, so we, it would sit on our um, window bench in our room and it would just stare out with eyes open um, all day. Oh my God. All night. <laughs> Did it look um, like her? Like, was yeah, it, it looked like her. It, oh my God. The freckles went. So they went, <gasps> wow. Down to the minute details. It matched her. Um, wow. I'm trying to think. We were also significantly into the the Barbie world though. Um uh -huh. and I feel that that played a big role in my girlhood as well. We had like do you know those um containers that have that are made for like wrapping paper? They're really long and kind of deep. Yes. Like yes. my mom was like I'm tired of your Barbies everywhere. We're getting a container, but there was like no container big enough. So we ended up with one of those. Mm -hmm. And we would just had Barbies on Barbies in there and we had a Barbie airplane. We had Barbie cars. We had, we'd flip the cars over. We'd, they'd be um, Barbie boats, you know, if they were um, lost at sea, of course, because that happens to every Barbie. Um, so <laughs> dolls, but um, yeah. yeah. Oh my um, gosh. That I think that just the bin of Barbies is so, so relatable. And then like, eventually, like, there's just no way to keep that organized. It's just like, you end up with like a bunch of like, single rubber shoes at the bottom of it <laughs> <laughs> right Natalie do you still have your Barbie collection you know I do um not at my house my parents are fortunate enough to still get a hold on to that for me and my sister but I will say that my sister is a mom she has two kids and so it, it'll be kind of nice to give them new life because they're just sitting in the attic right now yeah have you gone through the bin in recent years I haven't, um, but I know where it's at. And I know that there are going to be a few Barbies that have buzz cuts. <laughs> because, um, I, I was um, getting a hold of scissors and I don't know how, but yeah, there are a few with buzz cuts. Are you all, because, you know, American Girl obviously was a pretty high price point, still is to this day. Mm -hmm. Barbie, like... I'm struck because when the Barbie movie came out, I revisited a lot of, like, I tried to, like, look up basically, like, Barbies that I would recognize that I had, like, from their packaging and clothing. Yeah. And I was kind of, like, blown away by, like, how reasonably priced they were for, like, a child's toy, like they could have marked them up way more and not saying that like American Girl is overpriced like they're just very different 
different things, I think. And like, you, you know, the intention is that you have like a lot of different Barbies and can, you know, have one kind of for every part of your personality you want to explore. And like the intention with American Girl is kind of like their story and you're learning about them. And um, I, I, I just find it like very interesting how like two totally different price points yet like beloved by both but I'm shocked by like how cheap Barbies were back in the day and like my mom was always telling me that they were expensive <laughs> when like they really weren't that expensive. I'm sure they're expensive when you are at the store and you want five Yes. Right. That's, <laughs> that's that's a good point. Yeah, I'm actually I haven't like looked at like Barbie price points, but oh my god, like the instant nostalgia I feel like seeing some of the Barbie outfits that like I had growing up. Oof. I will say I recently went to the inflation calculator um mm-hmm. through bls.gov and I am telling you that American girl is typically a little bit cheaper today than it was equivalent with inflation when we were all growing up. They were pretty darn close to depending on, you know, what doll you were getting and that kind of thing and what year. But when they were like $80, like that is closer to about 200 today. So everything was like between like 150 to 200. And today I think they're around 125, 150. So Mm. it's kind of interesting how it's kind of the same, maybe even a little bit cheaper, but they're still very expensive. I remember Barbies. I could totally be making this up. I remember Barbies being like 15, $20 growing up. I could Mm -hmm. so be off. I could so be off, but and no, they're yeah. still around that price because I mm-hmm. bought them for my nieces on my husband's side. And it's always like, oh, good. I get them a couple of things in the yeah. budget that I have for each kid. I really like that point, Paige, about the AG pricing and mm-hmm. looking at the inflation calculator. Um, I do that every so often. Like we post a lot of vintage catalogs and especially from like the early nineties or late eighties, we get a lot of comments on our Instagram being like, wow. And that was only $18 back then for an outfit. And I'm always like to the calculator, let's see what the actual cost of this was like, and it'd be like 60. Yeah. And it would just like (laughs) put things in perspective there. They were no joke. And growing up middle, upper middle class, a lot of my friends had at least one, but that was kind of it. I didn't, you wouldn't see like your typical middle, upper middle class girl, even having every single doll and every single outfit. They were, they were collector. You picked the historical doll you wanted and you kind of ran with it. You, you really did. I think that's something special with Barbie and American girl, which is why it makes so much sense to me why Mattel snatched it up from Pleasant Company because or snatched up American Girl from Pleasant Company because it does have that experience of like what type of Barbie do you want? You want Hawaiian Tropic? Do you want this beautiful ball gown birthday 1994 Barbie? Like you can pick your experience mm-hmm. within playing with those dolls with with what the doll is representing right is it representing in in american girl terms is it is it molly representing world war ii and the 1940s is it felicity are you in the 18th century like what do you want and i think that that might speak to why so many of us now american girl women as young as young girls did really kind of only want one often now some had more of course laura i think you had a couple Uh, (laughs) yes which which, and they're out there because maybe there's a couple of experiences we want to live yeah it still speaks to that idea where it wasn't something where you had to have every single one you know unless maybe you had like a grandparent that was a bit obsessed and gifting them to you or something and you were very lucky but you still would have a favorite and let's just all be real about that (laughs) right everyone has a favorite a hundred percent I love that I mean before doing this podcast I didn't realize that people had more than one really like growing Mm -hmm. up all of my friends that had American Girl everyone had the one that they like strongly identified with myself included Felicity 
And even like in college, when like occasionally American Girl would come up, like same, like my friends always had one. So Laura, I feel like you were the first person that I met that had multiple. And then from doing this podcast, like I've realized that was, you know, a more common experience, but it's so interesting to think that even though people had multiple, I think many people could choose one favorite or two at the most, but Guys, there was like... no need for me to have that many. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I fully think it's so wild. But I think, like, my grandparents and, like, relatives, like, liked getting them because they, like, seemed a bit outside the box in terms of, like, children's toys and, like, being educational and whatever. But there was absolutely no need for me to have that <laughs> that many. And when I think back on it, I'm like, how was I – I couldn't even play with all of them. Like, I, I had five total, I think. And so that means I was getting, like, one a year every year for five <laughs> years, essentially, which is insane. Oh um, but – um, I want to I want to go back to something that Natalie said earlier about care and keeping of you because I think that <sighs> we have to unpack the fact that um, you mentioned Natalie that that book just like appeared in your house with no explanation and like no context. <laughs> Why is that what, what everybody says yes. about that book? <laughs> is that a universal experience? Um, oh yeah, <laughs> and it felt like everybody had the book or like knew somebody that had it or like before I had it I feel like I went to a friend's house that had it so that book was just like proliferating ripping through like the 10 year old social scene I cannot believe they not that I think the book was bad by any means it's just wild to me they still sell that exact same book I don't know if there's been updates or anything like that but like same title it looks exactly the same so it's kind of cute in certain ways to think that this current generation generation alpha and generation beta to come they might have access to that book too and it sounds like gen z would have had access so it's going to be this multi-generational experience now right as opposed to just being millennial specific which millennials were kind of the 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 piloting group with american girl so it is cool to see that these next generations are going to have similar experiences down to the same book. <laughs> right. I fully agree. I mean, I think there have been like some updates made along the way to it, but like in general, the content has remained, I think, pretty close to what it was originally launched with. I think I haven't seen a recent update of it, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it just put it into like such a digestible way for girls, like first learning about becoming a woman. And I honestly like love the illustrations. Like they always felt so like comforting and relatable and like positive. I think that was like such like a draw for it too. Like, yes, all these changes are, you know, going to happen. It's going to be a scary time, but like American girl is here for you and they're going to make it like in a, in a beautiful, like book. And here's all the information that you want to know. It wasn't like talking down to us either. I think that had like a big element to its success. Like it was pretty straightforward and it felt like you were getting this advice from an older sister. You know, it wasn't like an embarrassing thing when you had like I don't know. These talks always made me so embarrassed to have, like, whether it was, like, in school or with my mom or whatever. But, like, I wanted to know the information. Um, so it was just such a great resource to have. And I'm really thankful that this was out, like, while we were um, at that life stage. And it was available to us. Because was... I don't know. I don't know what people did before this. It was so They smart. had to have those talks. Right. <laughs> It was so smart for the brand to not leave the young girls, maybe four, five, six, eight. It was so smart of them not to leave us behind as we grew up. It was a way for mm -hmm. girls that were preteens and becoming teenagers to still connect with the brand and not feel like that was only when I was really little and right. I still played with dolls. It was a way that they were growing with us. And that's really sweet that they didn't leave us behind. Totally. Speaking of, speaking of that, did either of you read the American Girl magazine? Like not the catalog, but the magazine? I did. I don't have a lot of 
specific memories to one issue, but I absolutely know that I did. I will say I was more of the catalog girl, just kind of like living in that world, wanting to be, you know, the ballerina, the ice skater, wanting to just seeing all the vignettes yeah. and kind of being into interior design and having a mother that is a fantastic, beautiful interior designer. I just loved living in that world a little bit more, but I absolutely had issues coming to my house for a certain <laughs> period of time. Yeah. What about you, Natalie? Were you into the magazine or do you remember I, it? I definitely know I received them. Um, but if you were to ask me what I read, it's been so long. I like Paige <laughs> also don't have any specific memories, but I absolutely know I devoured them. Fair. They, they were like, they were sort of, I feel like almost like in the same vein of what we were talking about, where it was like a, a way for the brand to still connect, I think, with like slightly older than maybe playing with dolls age um, girls. And I feel like I'd put it in like the same category of like the way a highlights magazine made me feel as a kid, <laughs> where it's like very like reader focused, like um user-generated content if you will yeah um <laughs> I definitely got highlights too <laughs> yeah. oh my god that's um, so spot on so spot on in describing the magazine it was letting those American girls that were growing up letting them shine by you know the user submitted stories and I know you did an episode about that Halloween story like that type <laughs> of content the user-generated content absolutely yeah definitely definitely and now going to the catalog we we must talk about this Paige what were some of your favorite items in the catalog that you might not have received but like still wanted and still have on your mind today I think that I want Samantha's entire bedroom set yes and (laughs) I I am thankful that we did have her bed and the cute, you know, 1800s bedding. um, I mean, such the golden age um, furniture and setup. It was beautiful. And I probably wanted anything Felicity was wearing. I really love the beautiful 18th century dresses and the way that those looked. And I still do feel like even though I kind of grew up as the modern girl of today mixed with a little bit of loving Samantha, I kind of grew into a Felicity. I am obsessed Ooh. with all things 18th century. I love 18th century history. I love reading about it. I love I love to read historical fiction that's written in the 18th century. I just kind of like love to be in that world. So I think that Felicity's pages kind of helped me do that as a child without really understanding what that was yeah and I'm pretty sure Felicity had her little horse um which in the movie she names um Penny Penny yes yeah but it's this like creepy like kind of like rough and tumble older guy's horse (laughs) yeah it's part of Felicity saves the day um in her book (laughs) I believe in her book series but um I'm pretty sure I wanted that horse too any of the animals the ones that had animals absolutely I wanted all of their dresses and all of their animals oh my god that's amazing yeah there are just so many like lovely little elements I love that you had Samantha's bed and the purple locker of course like yeah (laughs) perfect little dichotomy to describe who I was super organized super modern but then you've got this like touch of like the the golden age, right? The gilded yeah. age, if you will. Yeah. Oh my God, totally. Were you mixing your outfits and furniture between the two dolls or did you keep them in their eras? Natalie is Natalie's so waiting for this answer and I love it. I can feel <laughs> it. You could, you could cut that, but I just, I love my bestie so much. She's like, oh my God, did she? She knows I didn't. Natalie knows I did not mix anything. I was, I was like, there's no question in my mind that Paige kept them completely separate and true to the time. <laughs> I did not actually mix anything and they didn't play together really either samantha and my girl of today they they were separate times and i think i was just in different worlds when i was playing them right so once i was in my like or with amanda my girl of today i was that modern girl kind of living a little bit more my life I did try to write in those books that they gave us by the way with those girls of today um 
for those that don't know, they gave you like six blank books that you could write yourself. And I did try to write them. It was probably pretty terrible. Would love to find those. And then with <laughs> Samantha, I was in that historical feel and wanting to live in that mm -hmm. world with that imagination. And because my sister and I read, I think all of the Samantha books for sure, I I feel like I was kind of sticking to her truth, right? Like Nellie's her best friend and like those types of characters were yeah. very much a little bit involved or at least somehow were thought of in how I played with her and the world that I um, joined with Samantha. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I feel like I would have been the same way had I had another doll, yeah, <laughs> like keeping actually, them very separate. <laughs> we actually had a trunk that wasn't from American Girl, but we kept uh -huh. all of Samantha's stuff. The we would break the bed down if we needed to, because my mom's very clean, kind of neat, freaky kind of gal. So we weren't yeah. really like the type of people that would like leave toys out or th that type of stuff. So we would yeah. break everything down when we were done. And Samantha had her little trunk, and then my girl of today had her locker. And then um, I think the bunk beds had to be in my closet, but. Uh -huh. like we we did have to put everything away and they were put in separate separate areas separate closets. oh wow like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they were never meeting little, each other <laughs> they, they really weren't nope nope <laughs> they were not oh friends they were not, no, they were not friends. well it didn't make sense to me they lived in different timelines and I think that that's something that American Girl sort of taught us too is like right these different compartmentalized timelines and stories right. right from the books down to the outfits and the eras that they were living in historically it just never made sense to my brain no these they're not they're not friends that's yeah, okay there's no yeah. overlap yeah no overlap <laughs> no overlap natalie is there anything now in like hindsight that you're like oh i would have maybe wanted that like as you sort of revisit american girl memories from the catalog not necessarily anything that I wish I would have gotten. I think I wish I would have played with my um, paper dolls. I think yeah. I was so afraid of ruining it. You know what I mean? So yeah, both my sister and I got them and my sister tore into her. So I played with hers too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I never used mine. And I think, um, but I'm like one of those kids that will get a sticker and then never never stick the sticker anywhere because it's like well I'm saving it for an important right. day yes. and then when does the important day come <laughs> it never does that's something I'm like perpetually learning too I'm like yeah. that is such a habit that I have as well where it's like I won't use like a fancy like lotion or something and then it will expire and I'll be like well that was a waste I, I literally I like am so bad with that with beauty products specifically like I don't want to open a new thing until I finish the previous one and it will right? be years sometimes oh my god right like I got this like body oil in France when I was like um, a junior in college and I would only let me and my roommate use it like once a month like it was like very <laughs> specific it smelled like heaven and I still have it to this day. How, how many years later, like 15 plus years later, I still have it at my apartment. And it just, it's, it doesn't smell like anything now. It's just neutral. I wouldn't even like put it on my skin, but I'm like the memory attached to it. I'm like, I can't get rid of it. It's like been traveling with me, but it's so hard, so hard to break out of that mentality. Truly. It really is. And that's something that like, as an adult, I'm like, okay, you know what? Tomorrow's not promised. Um, right. <laughs> why don't exactly. I go ahead and try? It, it's hard. It's hard to get over that, but uh, yeah, working on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Do you remember which paper dolls you had? I don't. I, I know it was an older era, but I can't, I can't specifically remember which one. I'm pretty sure I had all of the paper dolls that at least were like available. So I'm pretty sure I had like Samantha, Kirsten, Addie. Um, I, did I have Felicity? I'm not too sure, but I had quite a few that of the ones that were available. Fun. Yeah. Those were so underrated. I actually have um, one of our listeners and past guests sent a, um, treasure trove of like old like craft American girl craft books and cookbooks and 
in the selection was also an unopened um, set of Addy paper dolls. And I haven't opened them. I don't think I ever will, but um, it's just, <laughs> I totally forgot that those existed. So underrated. So underrated. And I think that those paper dolls, I think they did play together. I think, I think yeah. they did, which is kind of funny. <laughs> they were permitted. <laughs> they were permitted. Um, maybe just because it was a different format of play. I'm not sure. And I was kind of doing different things. I will say something I acquired that are related to Felicity that I'm kind of proud of because I am not much of a collector. I'm much like my mom. I'm kind of like over that phase of my life and having like too many things that are in the way yeah. for too long. But I did purchase the 35th year edition of Felicity. So I, I do have her box. She's sitting pretty. I do enjoy having her. And I also purchased Felicity's cookbook. Are you kidding me? Wait, I found it. I didn't hear I about got that. It. This was an Amazon Impulse pandemic purchase. And I saw on TikTok a fabulous creator. I wish I knew his name, but you can search it on TikTok. He started cooking all yes. of the things in their cookbooks. First Seth of all, Workman. Workman. Yes. Yeah. Seth is adorable. Can can he please come on the podcast? Seth, he has. Yes. Did I miss he... that episode? Shut up. Yeah, okay, we have him. Episode quite a while ago but yes oh, he, he has been oh. <laughs> see and this is because i was a newer listener that i didn't make it all the way back he's amazing <laughs> totally so fair. i ended up finding her cookbook and i'm like i am going to make those little breakfast puff things and mm -hmm. i'm going to do this and it's it's funny because i know he struggled with like a lot of the um bread recipes and those are so specific to like altitudes you live with you live in da 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 but I am so excited to play around with it and just like have some fun with some of the recipes. I kind of want to collect all of them, but then I'm like, I'm not going to eat. I don't know if I'll use all of them. So that's <laughs> something where I'm like, do I want to collect those cookbooks? Because I'll actually use them. But so I do. Yeah. I, have, I have it put away so that it doesn't get ruined. But I'm like, I should break that out and maybe, you know, figure out a safe way to use those recipes without getting the book dirty. It's in good condition too. Original 1990s version of Felicity's cookbook. I'm so wow. <laughs> oh my god, that's so fun. It is. Oh See, gosh. and that is another way as a woman to connect to the brand and that the brand and, and another way the brand is actually like not leaving us behind. Because right. those recipes are like normal level. They're not like crazy super easy. If yeah. you Seth do them, I'm like okay, that took a little, that took a little <laughs> while. That's not like so simple. Like, oh, so easy. A kid could do it. Like, right. Oh. Definitely. Like they are like, I imagine accurate to the time period recipes mm -hmm. that they're not like children's recipes. Like kids right. probably like weren't making them at the time. Like exactly. Yeah. It's so, oh my God. I love that. I'm, I have a couple cookbooks kicking around my house. Um, and I would love to make something with them. I haven't yes. yet, but It'd be so Absolutely. Fun. I know. I think I made things in them with my mom as a kid, but I haven't tried revisiting any of them as an adult. But um, I definitely want to, especially now that I don't need help doing everything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we have a question that we love to ask all of our guests on American Girl Women. And first, Paige, we'll start with you. What lasting impression did American Girl leave on you? The lasting impression that American Girl has left on me is my love of things historical fiction and being a strong girl or woman. They just set such a great example with every single character from the modern ones to the historical girls. They just left that lasting impression of a fun but understanding and finding yourself as a girl, mm -hmm. as a woman. Definitely. I feel like Pleasant Company slash the American Girl brand really took into consideration that though the audience is generally for young girls, that these girls are going to be women one day. And to take that into consideration with all of the products that they were putting out, all of the various touch points of the brand that it was going to have an impact. Absolutely. But keeping kind of like a common thread and theme throughout all of the content they produced, I think is like 
really, really good. It's great branding. It's great business strategy, but it's also like very rare that I think like you're able to connect with a brand for that prolonged period of time, knowing mm-hmm. that the content is very specific for, for that many years. And not only that, but, a, but crave to reconnect. Yeah. Like searching for cookbooks, like repurchasing a 35th year edition, like yep. the craving to reconnect and the nostalgia that's attached. I guess that's kind of goes to that other uh, previous question as well. The lasting impression is nostalgia. It feels like, happiness 100% totally and Natalie what about you well I think it's and specifically in terms of like American Girl doll is that everyone has a story and I love that about all the characters that they have is everyone has a unique uh perspective and that is so true for just girls and girlhood to know and even Mm -hmm. as we grow into adulthood that everyone is going to have a different lived experience and it's all um worth being told. And I think that it, that it so translates into like what we do in our day-to-day life. Um, Paige and I, with our podcast is we're always t- trying to shine a light on individual stories and keep them remembered. And that's probably what I love most about American Girl Doll is that it keeps the, you know, even though it's a fictional character, um, it keeps that story alive of that era of the, what it was like for others to share and continue to learn about these characters. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's so many, there's, there's so many things that like Lindsay and I have uncovered, I think from our childhoods that even don't have to do with American Girl even necessarily, but it's like just from revisiting that same era of our girlhood that we've been Mm -hmm. able to kind of like tap back into so many things. And American Girl is just the door that was open for us to start doing that. But I think I think it's a very healthy practice that our generation is sort of blazing a trail with because I don't, I don't know necessarily that other generations have had like the resources to, to do this type of like revisiting. Like, of course you can say like, I remember when I did X, Y, or Z when I was a kid, but we can actually like pull up the imagery of it and like engage with it that way, which is, I think, really cool and special and American girls, just one way to do that. But true. It's so much more tangible, right? What a time to be alive. (laughs) I feel so lucky to live in the same timeline as American girl. I really do. And again, we were one of the first generations to experience it the way that we did. And I feel so lucky for that because we have such a specific experience with it because of oh my god totally I saw a meme today that my friend had sent me that was like of all the billions of years that like the world has existed aren't you lucky that like you're in the timeline of blank it was like sour Mm -hmm. like watermelon candy like but that could really apply to American Girl as well like we are so lucky to have had like the opportunity to engage with such an incredible brand and um have have such like a meaningful part of our lives still continue on to this day but with that let's play a few games here (laughs) okay all right let's start with you natalie if you are an american girl doll what three accessories would you come with okay easy book notebook (laughs) and um a dog Ooh. Can, can you pick a pet? Because I know you uh, can pick a pet. Okay. <laughs> totally. Or maybe I would need a pen. I don't know. So either a notebook <laughs> or a pen. I'd figure it out. <laughs> That's so great. And I what love about that? Right? What about you, Paige? I would either be, I want to add this to it. I hope you don't mind. I would either be like same timeline as Felicity or a super modern girl. Uh-huh. And I would probably come with which would lean more towards the modern girl I would probably come with a microphone because I love to sing I'm a podcaster I'm always in zoom meetings for work and working with my students over zoom or in person so I would probably come with like a microphone and probably a dog as well not to copy natalie but i really would dogs have been <laughs> no, such that's a, fine. we're all dog people here they've been <laughs> such an important part of my life and i 
grew up with dogs. I have one now. So maybe I'll be specific and say a corgi. So I'll come with a microphone and a corgi. And I'm so open to so many things just in life and my life experience that I would hope that the people that played with my doll would kind of come up with their own accessories for me too. And, and, or that AG would have a lot of fun coming up with different scenarios or maybe change those out with each book or something like that. What would your clothes vibe be? What would you have yours wear or? Oh, I love that question. Is that a lot? Yeah, of course. Of course. (laughs) Totally. Do you want to go first with that, Natalie? No, I mean, I don't know what I would pick. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I was just curious because, I mean, yours sounded so thought out. I was just like, I vomited out my answer. Oh, even thinking. (laughs) And then you're being so thoughtful. So I was just curious if you had thought like of the whole aesthetic. I mean, my aesthetic these days, it's really changed. I used to just be that person that was just like ready put makeup on every day and now when I'm home in my like sanctuary I'm comfortable and so I think that one of my clothes like maybe the clothes that I came with would probably be my favorite sweatshirt of all time that has a picture of Taylor Swift on it and then it says God save the queen (laughs) amazing so I'd probably (laughs) have a, a like a cheeky sweatshirt like a cheeky crew neck and leggings and I would probably do that with like maybe it would come with like air force ones or some kind of cute tennis shoe but I do like to dress up too so mine would love here's another accessory mine would probably love to play with makeup so she'd probably have like a little like makeup kit makeup um trunk with makeup in it that she plays with she might not already have it all over her face, but like something she likes to play with and experiment Fun. with. Fun. I'm at this age as an American girl woman, I'm in such like a funny place with style. I think that's a common experience in your 30s. Mm-hmm. So I I do feel so disconnected clothing wise, but I do have a lot of, of fun, you know, dressing up and different things. Um for my holiday cards, I had a Taylor Swift cardigan. So maybe mine would have a Taylor Swift cardigan too. Yes. And I, I am kind of loyal to the skinny jean. I'm I'm sorry, a mid-rise skinny jean. I'm kind of loyal to it right now. So mine would probably have those too. I, I know that we're not supposed to wear them, I guess. But I mean, I'm in my 30s. I'm not going to let teens and 20-year-olds tell me like no. what we're supposed to wear. So that's probably, right. yeah, she'd have a pair of skinny jeans too or some kind of cute jean. It's your, it's your doll. She could have whatever you want, but I love, I love that answer. I I know. I wish there was actually more customization maybe available than there Mm -hmm. actually is for, for something like that. Um, uh, Well, shall we get into our celebrity based question? So you guys both gave a list of your fave celebs um, and you're going to, I'm going to name them and you're going to say which American girl you think they would have. So starting with Natalie, which American girl do you think Gwyneth Paltrow would have? Okay. Do you remember where I said I couldn't remember who I, I listed? And yes. as you were saying, I was like, I picked Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, <laughs> I feel like she would pick, um, I feel like she would pick an older, a historic one. Yes. I, I'm not really, maybe Felicity. I don't know. I feel like she definitely like has a bit of that Felicity like there's something kind of entrepreneurial about Felicity that I think (laughs) aligns with with Gwyneth (laughs) oh Um, my god I love that answer and we've never had anybody bring her up just yet so I always love when it's a new one that we can we can talk (laughs) about um we have had this celebrity brought up before but I'm curious to hear Paige's answer who would Taylor Swift have oof I think that Taylor Swift would have a girl of today as well as maybe I'll, I'll pick a historical doll for her too. But I know that Taylor would also enjoy a girl of today because Taylor Swift came in and yes, she had certain opportunities afforded to her, but she took them, she ran with them and she is the music industry. And I don't say that lightly and she's constantly wanting to reinvent herself. So I would say very much. So mm. one of the girls of today, she would have a lot of fun really living in the the modern world in that modern moment. Yeah. She also does have a little part of her that likes like that romantic kind of 
glitzy side of things. So I do believe that she would love Samantha and a little Molly too, because girl loves the 1940s. She loves the aesthetic of the 1940s. She writes about the 1940s all the time. Um, in several of her songs, they're kind of set in the 1940s or reminiscing about the 1940s or even down to imagining herself with this love of her life in the 1940s and that they would be so timeless that this is what their life would be like, even if it was the 1940s and it wasn't today, we would have found each other. So like she's imagining 1940s, she did it all. So I think she would like Molly for that because she would probably love to like live within Molly's books and just like live in that world by like reading her books and playing with Molly wow that's such a great explanation you like really back that up Paige <laughs> I'm so long-winded I'm sorry I love no, that I love it I love I'm it fully sold on that <laughs> two two great celebs to unpack and I think that they've been matched appropriately <laughs> agreed agreed oh my god well this has been so wonderful thank you both so much for joining us today you are both truly a delight to get to know and we're just so happy that our podcast brought us together right back Same at here. you it was my cousin sharing one of your posts that kind of brought us together and it was just you know, she's a fifth American girl woman that's kind of involved in this collaboration. Oh, my oh gosh. I love that. Well, thank you to her for starting the chain that led us to this moment. So right? grateful for that. <laughs> Definitely. And now where can everybody find you after this? We're on all socials at the Murder Diaries pod. So TikTok, Instagram, we have a Facebook, but we're not really using it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's newer yes. to us. The, the burnout yeah. is real. Being active everywhere is, t- is hard, but yeah. come find us at the Murder Diaries pod. Yay. Wonderful. Excellent. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to American Girl Women. For more AG Women content, follow us on IG at American Girl Women or send us your American Girl stories via AmericanGirlWomen at gmail.com. We might just read them on the pod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.